This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. I entitled the lesson today, The Songs of Christmas. We often hear a lot of Christmas music, probably starting right after Thanksgiving on the radio and in the malls and stores that we go in. And uh, some of the Christmas songs today, I don't, I don't recognize some of them that they play, and you don't really hear a lot of the older Christmas hymns. And so I wanted to, to think about those hymns today. Of course, there's certainly not all of them that we even have in our songbook, but some of these, these we do have. And I want to give some thought to some of the words that are in this music and I believe see some lessons in there for us, especially this Christmas season. <clears throat> because when you think about Christmas, I guess what brings a lot of it on when you start hearing that music playing, and you're thinking, okay, well, it's getting close to Christmas time. And as we think about that Christmas music, I was thinking about the children that are raised today, and many times they are raised under this political correctness time that we live in, and the music of Christmas is different than what a lot of the music that we listened to is when we were younger. But you know, you go to a child school program, Christmas program, and you'll probably hear Jingle Bells, Deck the Halls, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman. And, and I enjoy those songs. I, I, uh, my grandkids love those songs. And they've been around for a while as well. But many times, if you think about it, there's no songs that pertain to Christ. And many of the children... Uh, if you ask them about some of these Christmas carols that we sing and the hymns that we sing, they probably wouldn't know what a lot of those hymns are and what they mean. And so, because many of the songs today are secular, they don't, in fact, know the words to Away in a Manger or Joy to the World, like they know the words to many of the other songs that are being sang. But what are the songs of Christmas? When you think about it, because Christmas, the very first part of that word is Christ. And I think about today how many people through the years have wanted to take that out of Christmas, Christ out of Christmas. In fact, I hate seeing that Xmas, don't you? Take Christ and put X in there. I, I don't understand that other than the fact that that's the kind of world that we live in today. But let's think about Christmas and what it is. Christmas is about the birth of Christ. That's what it's about. It's about Joseph and Mary. It's about shepherds and wise men. It's about the story of Christ's birth as told in Matthew and Luke. It's about Bethlehem. It's about a stable, it's about a manger, and it's about Jesus coming down to earth and taking on the form of man. 
And when you think about all those things that Christmas is about, I wonder if we set our children down, our grandchildren down and say, what do you think Christmas is about? I wonder what they would say. Would they say any of those things? And if they don't say any of those things, then we need as parents and grandparents to say, hey, let me tell you, this is what Christmas is about. Sure, I enjoy the holiday season. I enjoy the time off work and being with family and the food and the friends and fellowship and the presents and decoration. I enjoy all of that. And I think children enjoy that, and they should. But if we just let them enjoy that, and we take Christ out of Christmas, then we really hadn't done what we should do as Christians. Amen? I mean, they need to know what Christmas is all about. You know, I'm thankful that we have the Christmas trees and the poinsettias, but I'm really thankful that we have that there. Because there's no doubt they can look at that and see and ask questions. Even my... My little granddaughter, she, she loves coming up there and sitting here after service. She'll point to each thing in there. And I'll tell her what that is and what that means. She may not comprehend, comprehend all of it, but I'm glad I have an opportunity to share it with her and keep on sharing it with her as long as I can. So when we talk about singing the songs of Christmas, You've got to realize much of what we believe as Christians is wrapped up in these songs. So I want to look at some of these that are the more familiar ones, the more well-known ones, and I want to take scriptures that these songs are based on so that we can understand where they came from and how the writer came up with these songs. So I gave you a list of songs there, and we'll try to get through that this morning. The number one song I picked out is Joy to the World. Joy to the World, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room in heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy. Even nature itself speaks of, of God and Christ, doesn't it? No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. Man's sin, way back in Genesis, brought on that curse of things that were going to be on this earth. And the Bible speaks about that. And did you know without Christmas, without Christ, we have no hope over that curse. We, we have no relief from that curse. We, 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 don't, we are not able to stand back and say, hey, I can get the victory today through Christ. But because of Christ, that latter part of that song says, He comes to make His blessings flow far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found. Far as, far as the curse is found. I want you to turn in your Bible or they'll put the Scripture up there to Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. In 1719, Isaac Watts wrote that song, Joy to the World. And it's one of the most beloved Christmas carols because it really captures the essence of Christmas. 
And what should that be? That should be joy. Now, I know all of us are going through things and we've been facing things this year. And sometimes our joy seems to be far away. And sometimes our joy isn't as much at one time as it is another time. And just because Christmas is here doesn't make everything all right and perfect in our, in our life. I know that. But it does remind us, this song especially, that why Jesus came. And that we can have joy. We can be fulfilled in Christ. So Isaac Watts was right when he entitled his carol Joy to the World. And I want you to think about that. It's joy to the what? The world. It's not joy to just America. It's not joy just to a Caucasian person. It's not joy to people that live out west. It's not just joy to the rich. It's not joy just to the educated per person. Or it's not joy to the happy person like an emotional joy. It's not joy to the healthy person only. It's not a physical joy. It's not a financial joy or a racial joy. It's not none of that. It's a national joy to the world. And it's universal. That's why when we look at somebody, it doesn't matter what color their skin is, how old they are, where they come from, what their situation is, they need Jesus just like you and me need Jesus. They have a soul just like we have a soul. And because we have the message of joy, we can bring that to that person. Maybe this Christmas you have an opportunity to see someone that can tell by their face they need some joy in their life. They need some hope. They need Christ. Joy to the world is a great song that has a great message. Where did it come from in the Scripture? Isaiah 9.6 says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Don't you love all those titles? We certainly need all those things in Christ in our life. We need a counselor. We need a mighty God that can face any problem that we face with us. We need an everlasting Father. That's one that will never leave us nor forsake us. That will always be here for us. And this world certainly needs peace. We won't have true peace until we, Jesus comes. But while we're living on this earth, we can still have some peace in our life because Jesus said we can give, have His peace. So, unto us, that message says, unto us a child is born. And that us, just like I said earlier, it's a national thing. It's for everyone. And a son is given to us. What a miraculous thing happened when the mighty God Himself came in the form of man, the Son of God, on this earth and be able to dwell among us, unto us. And I'm so thankful for it. Number two song is O Little Town of Bethlehem. The story behind O Little Town of Bethlehem was written by Philip Brooks 
in the years 1835 through 1893. Boy, these songs go way back. He was an Episcopal priest and pastor of the Church of the Holy Trinity in Philadelphia and later of Trinity Church in Boston. And Philip Brooks was encouraged to write this song because he went traveled to Bethlehem in 1865. And when he got there and he looked at that little town of Bethlehem, and he, he waited for nightfall and looked at the sky and looked at everything around it, he penned this poem for his church. And later on, the organist of the church composed it and put it melody to it and made it a song. The words go, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above the deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. For Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above. While mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wondering love. O morning stars together, proclaim thy holy birth. And praises sing to God the King and peace to men on earth. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. I got to thinking about that. Think about those people that lived in that little town of Bethlehem when they went to bed that night. They had no idea that God Himself would come to their town that night. What a miraculous birth. Let's look at Micah chapter 5 and verse number 2. But thou, Bethlehem Euphrates, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. And then I want you to see Luke chapter 2 and the first four verses in that. Came to pass in those days they went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. No mistakes with God that that's at this time the tax would be imposed upon them and he would travel to Bethlehem where Jesus would be born. We just saw in Micah 5.2, it was foretold many, many, many years before. And here it came to pass. So this town of Bethlehem, still, still there today, and those of you that go on the trip to the Holy Land, I, I guess you'll still be able to go to Bethlehem. I've been there, and what a, I couldn't wait for that time to, that we went there. It was just miraculous to be in that area. And they have it all lit up at Christmas time, and 
different things going on, but I think about here in that humble little town, you know, Jesus could have been born in a palace. He could have been born in the greatest, biggest city that he, that he wanted to. Could have been born in any of these places, but God had everything planned and everything situated so it would happen just like that. So I hope you think about this song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Number three is Emmanuel. Emmanuel, Bob McGee first published this in 1976, so it's a definitely a newer hymn. <clears throat> we don't sing it as much, although we sing it in praise and worship many times. Emmanuel, his name is called Emmanuel. God with us, revealed in us. His name is called Emmanuel. Let's look at Isaiah 7.14. Where, where did they come up with that song? Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Notice that. It's a sign. And behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. That meaning in that verse, when you really break it down and think about some of it, even though the world despised Christ while He was here, even though there were many that rejected Him, and even we know came to a point that He was crucified. But because people despised Him, I believe we find here that the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. The Lord did it. The Lord God made sure that there was a sign. And this sign was that it would be visible. They would know what happened. And that God of His own free grace is going to send you His Son, a messenger, a great sign of deliverance. And that's exactly what Christ came to do is deliver you and me and deliver His people. And He did that. He was delivering the nation, the tribe. He was the Messiah that was to be born. And... He wanted people to know they didn't have to fear their enemies because He was here and He was going to protect them and do show them what they needed and they needed Christ. So Emmanuel, the miraculous thing about that name is God with us. God with us. God dwelling among us. God in our world. You see, He didn't have to, he, he didn't have to worry about us. He didn't have to take time to do this whole plan. He didn't have to do that. But He loved us enough to say, I'll send my only begotten Son. Can you imagine God and man, the Son of God, the Son of Man in one person being a mediator for you and for me? And that's exactly what He does. That's why when we talk about, when we pray, we should, we should pray in the name of Jesus. Why? Because He's the mediator. He's the one that's listing and taking our needs and requests. He's the one that died for us. He's the one that, that came for us. And certainly we should take that time every day in our life and realize, hey, He should be the most important person in our life today. And He is that mediator that we can go to in our time of need. This Christmas season, I'm sure there's a lot of people in need. Not everybody that 
you see a smile on their faces, everything's okay. We find that out with a lot of people today when they end up taking their life. They end up doing all kind of crazy things. They may have looked okay on the outside, but they needed Christ on the inside. They needed hope. And that's why Jesus came. Number four, oh, come all ye faithful. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. O come and behold Him, born the King of angels. O come, let us adore Him. O come, let us adore Him. O come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. Pay attention to that word adore and what it means. Sing choirs of angels. Sing of exaltation. O sing all ye citizens of heaven above. O glory to God in the highest. O come, let us adore Him. O come, let us adore Him. O come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. The writer is John F. Wade, way back in 1743. Wrote that song. The Scripture that I want you to see is Matthew chapter 2, and we'll pick up at verse number 1. Remember that word, adore. Remember the words, exaltation. All of these words pertain to worship. Worship in God. Worship in Christ. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. That's part of that sign that would be there and are come to, notice, worship Him. And here, when we see that word worship, that's genuine. That's when they said they wanted to worship Him, they meant it. They wanted to do that. But in verse 3, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled. All of Jerusalem with him. He didn't like it because he heard the word there was another king. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes, of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. We've already seen that prophetic message. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not thou the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time did the star appear. I need to know when that star came and when that sign come, come to place. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, for when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come. And here's that word again, but it's different here. That I may come and worship him also. That's a lie. That's a false worship. He didn't want to worship Him. He that was the farthest thing from His mind. He wanted to find out what the deal was and get rid of Him. When they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. You also notice that in these Scriptures we get 
that Jesus was not a babe still in the manger when the wise men came. He's a young child now. And they also mentioned that when they came to this area, they come into the house. So it's, he's out of the, the stable area and he's into a house there. So when they got there, coming to the house, they saw the young child and with Mary his mother, and they fell down. And then this word, once again, is true worship. They worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What is that whole hymn about? It's about worship. When you sing that song, O come all ye faithful, it's a true worship song to the king. The angels are, are going to worship. They're going to exalt him. The wise men have made the trip. I'm certainly a hard trip, and only way direction was that star. And they followed it until it stopped and went in and worshiped him. And yet, already, we have those that want to kill Christ, that want to reject Christ, that want to get it, do away with Christ. You know, my, my thought is this Christmas, with everything that's going on, I hope we stop and take time to just worship Jesus. Just worship Him. And we certainly shouldn't do it just at Christmas time. We should do it all year long. But He deserves our worship for what He's done. He deserves for us to give Him glory and praise and honor. And that's what we do. When we come to God's house, we sing praises, we lift our hands, we pray, we, we hear the message, it encourages our heart. We have an altar that's open for us to come and pray and lay our burdens down and pray for one another. And all of these things are, are part of worshiping Christ. You think about it. There are a lot of people that open up their doors today and they'll go into a building that they call a church, sanctuary, but no worship will be done. It'll be all about whatever program's happening. You know, we've got, we've got a great musical for the choir this morning. But I want you as we sing these songs to not listen that we do every note perfect, but listen to the words that are said in these songs because they're all going to talk about Christ. I don't, want to, I don't want to take my time to sing songs that don't talk about Christ, that don't mention God. And every one of these songs have something to say about who He is and who He was. So this song is, is a song that we certainly will think about worship whenever we think about it. Number five. Away in a manger. That song, Away in a Manger, is one of the more familiar songs. And a lot of times our children do know a little bit about this song and they sing along. But it says, Away in a manger, no crib for his bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay, and the little Lord Jesus was asleep. In the hay, the cattle are lowering. Why? Why are the cattle there? <laughs> because 
He's in a cattle. He's in a cattle stall. He's in a in an era of a feed stall, a feed trough. He's he's in the lowliest place that he could be. The poor baby wakes. A little Lord Jesus, no crying. He makes. I love thee, Lord Jesus. Look down from the sky and stay by my side till morning is nigh. I like the last part of this song because it speaks to us today. Be near me, Lord Jesus. I ask thee to stay close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children. And that's not just the, we are all God's children if we're saved and born again. And thy tender care. And what did he say? He's gone to prepare a place for us and he'll come again and receive us and take us to heaven to live with thee there. For many years, this song, Away in a Manger, was mistakenly thought that the author was Martin Luther, the well-known German reformer and hymn writer. Today, and they, of course, have tried to look into it, find out more about it. Most people believe the carol was composed by an unknown American possibly in the early 1800s. But the words of the song were first printed in the Boston newspaper. And the newspaper claimed that Martin Luther was the composer of the hymn, and he did it for his children. And that German mothers still sang that song to their little ones. Away in a manger. Look at Luke chapter 2. In verse number 6, So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished. That's Mary and Joseph were, were in place that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in, notice that, swaddling clothes and laid him where? In a manger, not a crib, because there was no room for them in the inn. That song has so many really messages inside of it. It was inspired by this verse in the Bible. And it says that He was laid in a manger. Laid in a manger. Why? Because there was no room in the end. And I'm afraid today there's still no room for Jesus in a lot of people's lives. You see, we fill up our life, especially at Christmas time, with all the things we got to accomplish, the places we got to go, the gifts we got to buy, the decorations we need to do, the family that needs to get together. We, we got all of that going on. And many times, oh, wait. Don't forget, let's read a verse in the Bible and say a little bit about Jesus. Instead of spending all of our time remembering what the Lord did for us, telling people what Christ did. And yes, we can still do these other things. But when you think about it, from the time that Christ was born until He died, the world had no room for Jesus. How do you think that made God feel? To send His only Son and see the world have no time, no room for Jesus. He was born in a borrowed stable 
He was laid in a borrowed manger. He lived in borrowed homes from time to time. He died and was buried in a borrowed tomb. And he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, the very same clothes that he would be wrapped in for death. So he was born to die for you and for me. And all of those things, laying down his priestly robes, his kingly robes in heaven to come down to a world that rejected him, that hated him, and being clothed in something as bad as swaddling clothes. I think about that, and I think, wow, how can we not have room for Jesus? How can He not be the most important person in our life? That we open up our hearts, our homes, our families, everyone that we know to the idea that, hey, Christ is the most important thing about Christmas, not all these other things. And you know what? The world hadn't changed much since that time in Luke chapter 2. There are still people, when you talk about Jesus, they have no room for Him. No time for Him. I'm glad when we have the manger scene, we have Jesus. You know, it amazed me, I think a couple of years ago, I haven't heard that this year, but it happens. A church had a manger scene set up in front of their church. And on the news, they came on and said, somebody came by and stole baby Jesus out of the manger scene. I thought, well, wouldn't that, why did they steal that big camel that was standing over there? Why, why didn't they steal one of those tall angels and Joseph? But they chose to steal Jesus. The most important thing, I know he's the smallest thing in the manger scene, but they chose to steal him. And once again, I think that's just a, just the attitude of the world for large today is just take Jesus out of the picture. Can't we celebrate Christmas without y'all fanatical Christians talking about Jesus? Can't we just keep it with everything else that we talk about instead of that? I hope we don't let that happen. It's not happy holidays, is it? It's Merry Christmas because Christ is what Christmas is all about. The last one is go tell it on the mountain. That's a up, very up to beat song. There have been a lot of people record it. I love singing it. And I love the words of it. it. Go tell it on the mountain over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that what? Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watch of silent flocks by night, behold, throughout the heavens there shone a holy light. The shepherds feared and trembled when low above the earth rang out the angel chorus that hailed our Savior's birth. What a message to go tell. And we have to go tell it. We've been commissioned to tell it. That is a great commission. Go tell it on the mountain was originated as a spiritual, dated back to 1865, maybe much earlier. The song's considered a Christmas carol. Some people don't consider this a carol, but the lyrics in it talk about Jesus Christ is born. I think it makes a great Christmas carol. 
1907, John Wesley Work III compiled and published folk songs of the American Negro. The Works were, was a professor at Fisk University. As a professional musician, his first love was music. He also taught Latin and Greek. Spirituals came from a lot of times folks that were out in the fields working and they would sing these songs while they worked. So it was not like it was in a hymn book, a book, song book. So his job was to try to go back and gather people and say, wait a minute, sing that song to me like y'all sang it out in the field. Let me pin it down. Give me those lyrics. Let me, let me write. That's great. And so he would, he would pin those songs down and finally get them uh, to where they were recognized for their powerful words and music put, put to it. So go tell it on the mountain. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, him, and remember as you're reading this verse, it's a single angel. The angel was doing this at first. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign unto you. Find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And then suddenly, it's like the angel's there, probably hovering in the air, and nothing around him, and then, whoo, suddenly, all these angels appear all around him. There was a, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass that the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. When they seen it, this is the part of that song. When they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told unto them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told of them by the shepherds. As soon as they had seen what the angels had said, they felt compelled to, I've got to go tell somebody. I've got to go tell it on the mountains, in the valleys, in the hills, everywhere that Jesus is born. Our message should be no different today. Even though Christ has come and He has been through His ministry on earth, He's gone to the cross, laid down His life to the tomb, He rose again, gone back to heaven to prepare us a place, and He's coming back to receive us. We still have a great message to tell. That's the Gospel. From the time that Christ came till the time that He left, till when He's coming again, we have a wonderful message to go tell people. Don't ever say, well, I don't have nothing to say. <laughs> I don't have nothing to, to tell. We have a plenty to tell when it comes to the Gospel. And people need to hear it. I hope you'll take time this Christmas to share a little bit of Jesus. 
with people. Yes, enjoy all the other things that we're going to do, but please take time to say Christ is the most important reason why we celebrate Christmas. These other things, they're just things on the side. These things, they'll, they'll come and go, but Christ is the most important reason. So I hope you have enjoyed the messages and the songs of Christmas when you sing them this year and every year. Think about what they really mean, where they came from, and how they can benefit not only us, but other people around us. Amen? You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.